So, we are already in week three of our summer series, Going Viral, and if you missed last Sunday's message on the armor of God with Brent Ingersoll, I really encourage you to watch it. That was easily the best sermon I have ever heard on uh, the armor of God. Um, I mean that sincerely. Yeah, it was terrific. Uh, Last Sunday, there were three people who prayed to accept Jesus at the end of the service. Uh, That's exciting. And, and just a word on that. I mean, we're always going to do that till Jesus comes back or as long as I'm pastor of this church. But, but we're going to take that up a notch. Um, for those of you who thought, how can you possibly take it up a notch from there? Uh, and just, just a heads up to let you know what we're going to be doing. When somebody stands to accept Christ or raises their hand, we, we've got to find a way. We really would love to... to to connect with you and get your contact information. You've just made the most important decision of your life, and we would like to, you know, to encourage you in that and be a part of that. So I'm not entirely sure what that looks like because I'm really sensitive about being intrusive with people, but we still would like to capture uh, people's information. So we're, we're working on that. We don't want to drive you nuts. We're not going to spam you. We're not going to fill your mailbox with junk and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but we just want to properly follow up on the most important decision you'll ever make in your whole entire life. Is that okay? Oh, like, uh, it's really weak. Okay, you're warming up. It's rainy outside, you're warming up. Okay, we'll get you going here. Baptisms, Sunday, August the 2nd, and uh, we are going to be celebrating baptisms here at Moncton Westland, and I am really, really excited about that. So if you uh, have recently accepted Christ as your Savior and you've not yet, yet been baptized, if you need to be baptized, if you've been thinking about this for years, which that happens, we have people who just kind of surface and they say, I, I should have done this a long time ago or whatever, and, uh, but now I'm ready. Uh, we would love to know that. Uh, again, use those Connect cards. If you already used your Connect card and threw it in the offering plate, take somebody else's. And uh, use a Connect card and communicate with us about baptism um, on Sunday, August the 2nd. I'm going to be preaching that day, and I'm going to give a spontaneous invitation, which is not really spontaneous because I just told you I was going to do it. But on August the 2nd, uh, we're going to invite uh, anyone and everyone, to, to anyone who wants to be baptized, to be baptized. And so there's your notice to bring a change of clothes and a towel, and if you don't, um, you're going to be sloshing around the lobby in wet clothes, and that's okay. Uh, you will be wet, and you can drive home in a wet car. It'll dry up eventually, all right? So that's going to be an awesome day, August the 2nd. We're making our way through the book of Acts, uh, specifically looking at what made the church go viral. Why did the church explode out of the first century? What was the, the message? What were the key factors? What was God doing? How were people responding? What was... What was key then, and what are the things that we can apply to our lives, and what are the things that we can apply to to this church in our context, because we want to see Jesus go viral in our generation, right? I mean, I would love to see a crazy, ridiculous, awesome, unimaginable move of God in my time, right? I I don't want to just read books about how it happened in somebody else's time. I want something like that to happen in my time. So uh, this Sunday, today, we're in Acts chapter 2. And Acts chapter 2 has three major scenes. You have the first one is the supernatural, pyrotechnic, multimedia arrival of the Holy Spirit. And God literally blows the doors right off. 
with his presence. Then you have uh, the second one is Peter's spontaneous sermon where he gets up in front of the crowds and he just starts preaching the death and resurrection of Jesus. And then at the third uh, scene or act in, in Acts chapter 2, it finishes with a picture of what an irresistible community of Jesus followers looks like. They're all drinking Starbucks and eating gojis. Maybe not. Uh, but that's where we're going to be today. We get a picture of how the Holy Spirit transformed their community, changed their lives, and empowered them to live in such a way that every, everyone knew, the whole community knew that the, these people were positively changed for Jesus. And they went viral for all the right reasons. You can go viral for all the wrong reasons. But the, the church in Acts chapter 2 went viral for all the right reasons. And, and people were watching them and people respected them, and people wanted to have the same experience that that crowd of Jesus followers was having. So let's pick it up. Uh, the old guy gets his glasses on. Here we go. Acts chapter 2, and uh, beginning in verse 41. Peter just finished preaching. And those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Not a bad day. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. Our vision for what God can do is often too small. We're too reasonable. We're practical. We've, we often have adjusted our scope of God's grandeur down to our own limited uh, level of believability in what God can do. Some things just seem impossible for us, or they seem like they were for that time. But we don't expect to see anything phenomenal happen in our time. What if, what if the generations after us suffer because of our lack of faith? Wouldn't that be awful if the generations to follow us actually, are, they actually suffer because of our lack of faith. Look at this verse in John chapter 14, 14, 12. I tell you the truth, Jesus says, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. That was then, and this is now, but what if God wants to bring a great awakening to Moncton and he just needs a group of people who will believe in anything and surrender everything. Let me repeat that for you. Let me repeat that. What if God wants to do something incredible in Moncton? He wants to bring a great awakening to Moncton, and he just needs, he just needs a group of people who will believe in anything and surrender everything. Luke is the author of Acts, and he shows us that the church the church is not just growing outwardly and exploding by the thousands. It's growing inwardly at the same time. 
Luke is showing us that it's growing in depth and in love and in unity and in, in peace with one another. They have a healthy church culture. When you pursue and practice church health, you get church growth. Healthy things grow. When you pursue and practice church health, you're going to get church growth. That's one of the reasons why we're seeing changed lives here at Buncton Wesleyan on a weekly basis. For one, you like coming here. That's a good thing. This is a, this is a healthy church culture. You can invite your friends uh, to come here, and, and you don't have to worry about anything, you know, funky or, you know, too, too crazy going on. Uh, people aren't uptight, you know, we're not all uh, looking half angry and walking on an angle and that sort of thing. Everything about the place communicates that this is a healthy, growing, multi-generational, multi-ethnic, multilingual, multi-whatever place where people are welcomed and loved and accepted, Right? Everything about this place communicates that. Luke paints us a picture of a community that is so counter-cultural in all the right ways that it is irresistibly attractive to people who are looking in. The church doesn't need to stay in step with the culture of the world. We can do far better. We don't, we don't have to try to stay in step with culture. We can do better than that. We, we can offer community on a level that people just can't find anywhere. And Acts chapter 2 shows us real community. Now think about how much community has changed since you were a kid. I mean, it's changed a lot, right? When you were a kid, you knew everyone on your street. Remember those days? Your parents weren't, even, weren't worried about where you were. You'd run around the neighborhood all day, and you lived right? Like today, if you go around the corner, you, you know, people think you're never going to be seen again. There they go. They're gone. Now, I didn't grow up. I was born on Graham and Ann, but I didn't grow up on Graham and Ann. All the good swimmers get off when they're strong enough. <laughs> My parents moved off when I was three, and I managed to catch up with them. Uh, but I did go back every summer as a, as a child, and all my relatives are there. But Graham and Ann is still a place where you actually know your neighbors. And, and they've, got a different, they've got a level of community that is gone in most places. I mean, today, when I go outside in Moncton, people, when I go outside, the neighbors go in. Like, oh, somebody's coming. You better go inside, right? They don't even, they don't even lock the doors to the bank on Graham and Ann. We, that's probably true. We, we were created for community. We're longing to be known and to do life with other people. And, and here at Moncton Westland, we want you to get connected. Uh, we want you to, to get to know people. I mean, you're, you're just going to have to get out of your comfort zone a little bit more and, and, and approach people and, and shake hands. And if they don't want to shake hands, you know, bump knuckles or something like that. Ask names. We, we, we provide all kinds of environments to, to help you get to know people. Uh, go to Alpha, get in a group, serve somewhere where you can get to know other people. Think about, think about it, gang. If someone gets up enough nerve to drive here for the very first time, get out of their vehicle, and walk through our doors for the very first time, then we should be able to get up enough nerve 
to be an irresistible community that welcomes people with open arms and smiling faces and words of love and encouragement that they just aren't going to get anywhere else. We should be able to do that. I was doing that in the lobby this morning and uh, spotted a couple and they're here somewhere and I just went up to them and started talking to them and it was their very first time here and things like that and then after a while they asked who the pastor was. <laughs> it's the guy with the untucked shirt and the, and the sneakers. Yeah, that's me. That's me. Every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday at Moncton Wesleyan. Right? We have new people every week. And, and we can give them a level of, of community that they just simply can't find anywhere else. Okay, uh, let's go to verse 42 and throw that up on the screen. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Now let's put that back up again. We're going to highlight some of these words and, and we're going to try to extract uh, the keys, some of the keys to what caused the church and the message of Jesus to go viral. All. All in the original Greek means all. It means all. You're good at your Greek. All the people. All the believers. All y'all. All y'all. All of you, right? All y'all. All the believers devoted. Highlight that word. Devoted. They, they, they continued. They persevered. Um, they made these things priorities. Jesus wasn't just another thing or, or an add-on to their week. You know, uh, let's get up and look out the window and see if it's a, you know, is it a go-to-church kind of day, right? Or if they don't have any better offers. Jesus, they were devoted. Jesus was everything. He was, he was their all. He meant everything. He was the only thing to them. And then these four things, they, they devoted themselves to these four things, to teaching, to fellowship, to sharing, and to prayer. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's my favorite part right there. I like, I like that one the best. And then to fellowship, that's, that's community, right? Eating in each other's homes. Uh, remember when we used to actually eat in other people's houses? Uh, including communion, and then to prayer. Now, what if this is more than just a snapshot of first century life? What if Luke inspired by the Holy Spirit, wants us to actually live this way in every generation until Jesus returns. What if, what if this is the way that we're supposed to live? Maybe, maybe we're all supposed to still be devoted to this book, to God's Word. Maybe we're still supposed to trust this book as the holy, anointed, infallible, infallible word of God? What if we didn't just hear it or read it, but we, we devoted ourselves to it, all of us? What if church was the last thing we ever wanted to miss because we were so devoted to Jesus? What if there was a level of fellowship and community that is so far deeper than what we live at that if we would dare to go there, it would actually draw others in? What, yeah, what if this group... Right? There's enough of us in this room that if we live this way, it would be irresistible to, to the community. Um, what if our busy lifestyles and our lack of community is actually a spiritual attack? What if it's actually a, a ploy of the enemy to, to keep us busy 
and, and to keep us from, from experiencing that level of community. A way for the enemy to distract us and keep us from loving others towards Jesus. Uh, the other night, we were out with friends celebrating my 46th birthday with uh, woo! Uh, we were doing that. We were out at, at Chez Camille and Capelet having clams and chips. Go to Chez Camille this week and tell them I sent you. So the next time I'm in there, they give me free clams and chips. <laughs> Nothing says happy birthday like a big plate of fried clams, right? And on six minutes' notice, we showed up to visit a couple from this church who live in Grand Barachois. On six minutes' notice, we just dropped in, imagine. And they were okay with that. That's community. Friday night, we were walking Parley Beach, uh, three couples, and we dropped in unannounced on Glenn and Joyce Gildart. So this week, I'm coming to your house. <laughs> unannounced. So that we can practice community. So that we can practice community and eat with one another. In the Greek, it says that they broke bread literally broke bread with one another. They were literally baking bread because someone's coming over. Someone's going to come over to our house tonight, so we better bake bread. And when they come, we're going to crack that baby open, and we're going to give thanks to God, and we're going to enjoy it together. Today's version is having pie, butterscotch pie, (laughs) and coffee, dark black coffee. Verse 43, the first part of verse 43 says that a deep sense of awe came over them all. Um, Pictures and videos that go viral on YouTube have different types of awe, okay? If if it's a kitten or, or a puppy, you would say, right? So sappy. If it's... If it's a guy who tries to skateboard off the roof of his house into his neighbor's swimming pool, you say, you say, what was he smoking? That's what you say. (laughs) I've been in church services where you just wanted to hang your head in. Oh, oh, (laughs) oh, right? You could barely look at the stage. It was a train wreck. That's the wrong kind of awe. Church shouldn't be something that you dread or you do out of duty or you just try to endure. And Luke shows us that when the Spirit comes and Jesus is preached and the people all love one another in irresistible community, that a deep sense of awe comes over the people. And I want people who come to Monkton Wesleyan to have a great experience. I want, when they come into our parking lot, I want them to have a great experience. When they step into the atrium, I want them to have a great experience. I want them to notice that somebody cares, that somebody is working hard. I want them to appreciate our facility. I want them to hopefully help us pay for our facility, right? But without the presence of the living God, there can be no awe. There can be no awe. You can stand around and say, oh, what a building, and look at this atrium, and la, 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 la. Who cares? Without the presence of the living God, there can be no real awe. It's God's presence that causes us to worship him and to marvel and to wonder and just revel in the glory and goodness of God. 
It's God's presence. And our vision is that we would be a people who are inviting people to experience and follow Jesus. And one of the things that fuels that vision is people leaving here on Sunday mornings and going out into our city with a proper sense of awe, a proper sense of Holy Spirit awe, and then sharing that awe with others. You need to go and glow. Really. You need to go and just, and just glow like you've been in the presence of Jesus because you've been in the presence of Jesus. You've had a face-to-face encounter with the living God and go back out into the darkness. Go and glow. You need to shine. You need to blaze. And people say, have you been in the sun? No. Have you, are you sunburned? No. Well, what has happened to you? I've been with Jesus and it's the Holy Spirit awe that is all over me. It's what people need to see. Don't be afraid to glow and shine for Jesus. And people will see that. And people will want to know what is going on. What is happening? Tell me more about it. It's an irresistible community. Next part of verse 43. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Luke uses the phrase signs and wonders eight times in the book of Acts. He uses it. In, re- in reference to Jesus and Stephen and Moses and Philip, Paul and Barnabas, and here with the irresistible community. And the meaning of the two words, signs and wonders, is they're quite similar. It's referring to any miracles or out-of-the-ordinary events that point, the, the things that clearly point um, to what God is doing and how this all fits with his plan in his promises, in what he has said, and it points to where we're going. They're, they're, they're indicators, they're, they're pointers. Now, in Moncton, if you are following another car, you can't tell where they're going. There's no way to tell, because they don't signal. <laughs> there's no warning, there's no indicator, they just turn or stop or change three lanes for a Tim Hortons. Welcome to Moncton, right? That's Graham and Rebecca. You're going to have to figure, they, there's no indication. They just, they just go where they want to go. In the church, when God is doing a new thing, there will be clear, visible signs that you can point to and attribute to as a move of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's the people he brings. Some of you who have been here for 40 years or more, You are heavy equipment. You're capable of doing great things for God, and he's not done with you yet. So if you are breathing, turn to someone beside you and tell them, I'm still breathing. Go ahead. It might wake a few people up. If someone's sleeping, wake them up. Wakey, wakey. Now, some of you who are new in the last couple of years or you're brand new to Moncton Wesleyan, God has brought you here for a reason and you are heavy equipment. You are going to help us move this church forward for Jesus. And God is assembling all the right pieces. He's building his church. He's brought us together for a purpose. He's brought us together for a reason. He's given us this facility to, hello, Balcony, how are you this morning? By the way, Balcony, how are you up there? I haven't, yeah, you're looking good. Awesome. Love to see you, Balcony. God has given us this facility to fill to overflowing over and over again 
for Jesus. Some of you are signs and wonders, and your life is going to point others to Jesus. Every salvation is a, is a sign and a wonder. Every time somebody stands, every time somebody raises their hand, that is a sign and wonder to what God is doing. Every baptism on August the 2nd, when you see people baptized for Jesus, those are signs and wonders to what God is doing. There are stories of miracles and breakthroughs and victories all over this congregation that point to who God is and what he is doing and where this church is going. Now, I've always been uh, I've always been really interested in revival. I've always kind of been a student of it. And I, and I picked that back up in the last couple of years. And I've been reading books on revival and reading about the great revivals or, or awakenings throughout history. And I've been asking God to, to bring a revival in our generation. One of the speakers at Beulah Camp that just, it was a week or so ago, Beulah is our annual uh, district camp for Atlanta, Canada, in the state of Maine. One of our speakers, Mark Wilson, preached a masterful sermon on revival. And he was telling us about a time when he traveled uh, from Wisconsin to Wales to see the, the places of the Welsh revival. He wanted to visit and, and see where God did this, the, the great Welsh revival at the turn of the century. And at one of the sites, one of the caretakers told Mark that his grandfather came to Jesus during the Welsh revival and that he was a follower of Jesus today because of that revival and his grandfather coming to Jesus a hundred years earlier. And he took Mark to a place on the coast where there was a small creek. And, and he was telling Mark about how they've lost much of the revival and how the young people aren't going to church and how the churches are empty again and, and just how, you know, they, they've lost a lot of it. And, and then he told Mark that, that Wales has the second highest tide in the world. Does anybody know where the first highest tides in the world are? Yeah, you're sitting on them right here. We're there. So he's telling Mark, he says, did you know that Wales has the second highest tides in the world? And he says, right now, he says, this little creek here that you see, this little tiny stream, he said, in a few hours, the second highest tide in the world is going to come back in. And this little creek will not be a little creek. It was going to swell, and it's going to fill, and it's going to, be, it's going to be full, almost to overflowing. And he said to Mark, he said that he is praying for God's Spirit to come back to Wales, to come back in like a tide and fill Wales again and fill their churches again to overflowing. And God is going to pour his spirit back out again. He's going to bring the tide back in like he did in 1905. And Mark was preaching this at Beulah Camp and I was, I was ready to explode or bust loose. or do, I, I was ready to come unglued. Last Sunday, I was walking off this stage right down here and David Ross, who has his back turned to me right now because he's rude. <laughs> Actually, he's leading our, our deaf ministry. Hello, deaf ministry. We love you this morning. Good to see you. I was walking off the stage, and Dave Ross, Dave, you weren't there that night at Beulah. You didn't hear Mark preach about the tide. So I'm walking off the stage last Sunday, and this is what Dave says to me. He says, the tide is coming in. And he said, when it comes, I want to be here. Woo! 
that the place of the highest tides in the world would be the place where God's spirit comes ashore like never before. And we get swept up in the current and we see our God do incredible things for his glory. Okay. And all the believers, all y'all, all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They met together. They were intentional. It's important to meet together. Church attendance isn't just so I can send a number into the denomination. We need each other. We need to worship together. We need to hear God's word together. Um, Verse 45, they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. I always hesitate with this verse because I don't want people to think that I'm telling them to go home and sell everything. But God might be telling you to do something that doesn't make sense to anybody else. He might be asking you to do something lavish, sacrificial for his glory. And I, and I, I just, let me say it this way. I believe we need to tell bigger stories. I, I just believe there needs to be signs and wonders of, of what God is doing, and that could be a part of it. God is lavish towards us. They met in the temple every day um, at the cafe and bookstore. They met at the temple every day drinking espressos. And they met in each other's homes. Invite someone into your home. Try it. It won't kill you. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And the Lord added to their fellowship daily those who were being saved. Who added to their, to their fellowship? Who was it that did the adding? The Lord. It's, it's not me. I can't do that. And you can't. It's, it's God's work. Uh, God's spirit drawing people towards him. Well, a couple of things that I'd love for you to remember from this. First one, irresistible community reproduces Jesus' followers. The community saw how these people were living, and and they wanted it. It was attractive. Irresistible community. And another one, let's go to that that next slide. Irresistible community produces irreversible faith. Irresistible community produces irreversible faith. This is why the church went viral. They weren't turning back. You know, we were saying that earlier this morning. No turning back. No turning back. That's that right there. This is why the church went viral. They weren't giving up. They weren't going to let politics and governments and threats and culture and imprisonments and even martyrdom extinguish their faith. And that's why the church went viral. And that's why the church is still going viral today. Now, in that same sermon... In that same sermon, Mark Wilson, when he was talking about the tide of revival, he, he told us about a turn-of-the-century evangelist named Gypsy Smith who finished preaching one time, and he took a little piece of chalk, and he drew a circle on the stage, and then he stood inside the circle, and he said, Jesus, would you start a revival? Would you send a fire? And would you start right inside this circle right here? Start with me. And I'm going to invite you this morning, if you would like a fresh fire, if you would like the Holy Spirit to to bring a fresh fire to you this morning, if your prayer is like mine, Jesus, bring a fire and start the fire in me. 
If you're willing to be a flaming torch for Jesus, if you're willing to go and glow, and don't stand unless you're dead serious about this. Don't stand unless this is truly your heart's prayer that you want God to to bring a revival in you and you want to live an irresistible life that others would see that Jesus is alive in you. I'm going to invite you to stand or come forward. Uh, You can stand where you are. Um, or you can, if you want to come forward and kneel in prayer, um, I'm going to invite you to do that. Um, go ahead and do that right now. If that's your prayer, if you're saying, Jesus, send a fire to, in me today. Oh, Lord, you see your church. God, I hardly, hardly know how to respond to this. And I believe, Lord, that every person who is standing, this is their heart's prayer. Believe in God that, that you would start a fire in us. Each person praying, Jesus, come and set me ablaze. Come with your Holy Spirit and fall on me. Not just on Moncton, not just on this church, but right here on me in my heart, in my soul, in my spirit. Lord, help me to be a burning witness for you. Give me a holy boldness. Do something in me that I, that I just can't hide, that I, I can't not talk about, that others see and want to know about. Refiner's fire, come. Set me on fire for you. Maybe there'd be someone here this morning who's not yet uh, accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. As I said last Sunday, there were three people who raised their hands and said, Pastor Tim, let's all stand, by the way. If you're not standing, go ahead and stand. Last Sunday, there were three people who prayed this prayer. And this is just an opportunity to make the most important decision of your life, which is who will I follow? Who will I serve? And uh, if you'd like... uh, me to pray with you from the stage here. I'll just lead you in a simple prayer. If you'd like to invite Jesus Christ to come into your life, if you'd like to follow him and serve him, believe in him for the rest of your life, I invite you just to just to wave your hand at me this morning and the congregation will cheer and then I'll lead you in a prayer. You got to really, really wave it. Where are, well, I don't know where we are. Get back here. Wow, how exciting. That is exciting. It's good. Anyone else? I'm trying to rush through this. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, God, I believe you're doing something special and very holy in this room this morning. We pray with this one person who raised their hand, saying, as they simply pray a prayer, saying, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God, that you came to this earth and died on a cross for my sin. And I'm inviting you to be Lord of my life right now. And I'm saying in this moment, Jesus, that I will live for you, I will serve you, I will follow you for the rest of my life. This is not just a decision that I make in a moment. This is the rest of my life. And I'm inviting you to power wash my soul. 
Give me a fresh start today. Thank you for your love and your grace. In Jesus' name I pray.